A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Everything the light touches <laughs> is our kingdom. <laughs> Welcome in, everyone, to the Sunday recap. It's that time of the week where we sit down together and we talk about the sermon from Sunday. That's right. <laughs> While you listen to the bearable voice of Mitch Green and the sweet voice of Chris McLaughlin and the beautiful voice of Ariel Eldridge. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, we just came off of like 15 minutes of impressions from these two and I just sat and watched. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Hey, week two, That's the good. D&D is going to come up. So I'm working on my character. So I was showing him some voices. So... Oh my goodness. <laughs> Nobody talked to me on Sunday, so D&D may not be on the rise. <laughs> uh, okay, so Mitch, what's your favorite character character voice to do? Let's hear it. Well, I don't do voices. We talked about this last week. Yes, I I'm do. not very good at them. But so. you're doing them. So. Yeah, I am. So I had to adopt a character voice. And so I was telling them um, this morning that my character voice is based off of Mufasa. So... Whenever I'm going, when I was going in yesterday, I just kept listening to, you know, James Earl Jones does Mufasa, right? Yes, he does. So yeah. I'm doing James Earl Jones, Mufasa, like lines in my head. So I'm walking in the house and I'm like, everything that like touches is our kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. And you know what trips me out about James Earl Jones is that he also does Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but when I listen to Mufasa, I'm like, that's not Darth Vader. That can't be Darth Vader. I know. That's it's actually, weird. so I was Depressive. doing some Darth Vader lines in my head too. And I'm like, they don't sound the same. <laughs> no, they don't. No. And, yeah. and then he's in, he's in, um, oh, Sandlot. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's the neighbor. Yep. Yep. I forgot. Um, uh, Field of Dreams. That's all. That's, mm. that's a great movie too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yep. But, okay. So we're talking about relationships today. Let's, let's dig into this a little bit. Uh, turn the corner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this is what I want to ask you guys as we get started. What do you What do you guys in, enjoy the most about the relationships, the friendships, the the relationships that you have? Um, and maybe just to kind of set it up, like for me, I'm I'm much more of an introvert. Um, I love to when when I when I have relationship with people, I I actually love to be more one on one with them and have more focused attention with them. Um, where I know other people really love like kind of the corporate thing where it's like, man, I, I just get so much energy around being a, a bunch of people all at the same time and kind of being able to jump from person to person. So where are you on that and what do you enjoy about about relationships? Yeah, I love, 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 love people. Um, and it's been somewhat to a detriment um, in my life. So yeah, when I was when I was single and I was in my mid-20s, um, I was with people every night of my life. And I kind of would prefer with, to be with people one-on-one, Yeah, but um, I was always doing something with people. And honestly, when there were nights where I wasn't, I would be like sitting like, what has my life come to? And it'd be like, bro, you're, you're alone for like three hours right now. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, as I've grown older, it's changed a bit. Yeah. You know, I do like to be home. Um, just with JC, which again is another person. If JC's mm-hmm. not home, it's a disaster. I'm going to find stuff to do. <laughs> but she's leaving this weekend and she's already made fun of me because I'm like, are you leaving Friday night or Saturday? Because I need to know because I'll need to find something for Friday night if you're not going <laughs> to be here. I got to fill my calendar. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but no, I mean, I, I love being around people. I love groups. I love relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I eat that stuff up, yeah. man. Anything mm-hmm. that's with people that's fun that's getting to know new people old people long-term friends i love it cool yeah cool yeah i feel like a chameleon i do mm-hmm. i yeah. i think that i try to be what i 
can for the people that are around me in the situation that I'm in. Um, but I do feel myself changing as I get older and like that's true introverting yeah. more and more, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I need to, you know, need to halt that. But, um, I think what I love the most about friendships is humor, man. I just love, I love humor. I love getting to laugh with people. I mm-hmm. love being able to laugh at ourselves. Um, which is easy to do right here in this triad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I do. I love people as well. Um, people are messy in which this whole series is about. So yeah. Yeah. The, the, the mess and especially this message itself, the mess of like what happens when a relationship is broken and how do we, how do we resolve that? How do we bring, mm-hmm. bring relationships back together? Um, you know, Mitch, before we were, we were, uh, started recording, you, you mentioned something. I, I want to just pitch it back over to you to bring that back up again. Yeah, no, I was saying, I really loved the beginning portion of Scott's sermon. Um, it just had me reflecting on, you know, how we do everything in the context of relationship. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was just thinking about this Well, Scott said most of this, but you know, we have our relationship, you know, with people and then we have a relationship with God and it tends to be when one of those things is off, it affects the other, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that's really just due to our sinful nature. It shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't have a problem with people and it affects our relationship with God and we can be right with God and still have problems with people. But those two things tend to go hand in hand. And and it just had me reflecting upon communion. Um, and I remember reading a, you know, almost 10 years ago now, and one of Diedrich Bonhoeffer's earlier books, I don't remember what book it was, but he's writing about how within his church, there are people who are in relationship with another, people who are even family, and there are people who are pro-Germany, and there are people who aren't. So right. for those just places in context... Yeah, this is during World War II yes. era, mm-hmm. and Dietrich Bonhoeffer was actually part of... He was uh, a part of a plot to kill Hitler right. at one point in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, kind of a lesser two evils things, but that's for a whole other yeah, podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Interesting. So, so Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he spent some time in the United States as a pastor in New York. Mm-hmm. He also went back to Germany. So he was in Germany, back, boom. I think this is when he was in Germany the first time. Yeah. And he's talking about that when they were doing communion, they would pass the plate. You know, that was kind of their traditional way of doing communion. And when you're passing the plate in communion, what you're saying to one another is that we have a union with God. You know, you're accepting God's grace for you, but you're also saying you have a union with one another within this community. Mm -hmm. And so what he was recognizing is that people within his church body would position themselves in different place in the room so that they didn't have to pass the communion plate to one another. Right. So they would be avoiding saying that we share the same union with God with one another. And he called him out on it. Um, and it was a radical just display of kind of what Scott was saying yesterday when he said, you know, hey, if you had a brother you need to reconcile with, like you may need to go do that right now. Right. And so he just was like, look, we're reconciling our differences, you yeah. know, and just talked about how that brought unity within this body, even before a country was unified, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, where the church in, within a country was unified around the gospel. I mean, most of the church in Germany was, you know, pro-Nazi party. At, you know, there were right. obviously a lot that left, but... There's a lot of national loyalty. Yep. But what, what's interesting, too, is that the church itself can be a light to the world in that Absolutely. way. And espe- I mean, man, especially right now, what mm-hmm. a what a important time for the church to be the leader mm-hmm. in in that sort of reconciliation. Um, it, it, what what you what you bring up um, during the message, it, it, it was uh, during this part where Scott was saying, you know, the, the really the first step to this is that we need to be the ones that make the first move. Mm-hmm. We need to be the ones that are like willing to go forward and say, hey, let's reconcile, let's figure this out. And um, it brought to mind First John four nineteen and twenty. So, so First John four nineteen is really the gospel side of of all of this, where um, 
uh, John tells us that God, um, he that God loved us first, and so he says we love because He, God, first loved us. And so the the gospel is that God, um, who is transcendent, He He condescended to us, even though He didn't have to, um, in order to make this reconciliation with us. Mm-hmm. These people, and, and I mean, really, if we put it all into context, it's us who are in rebellion against God, you know, this these hard hearts that are that are obstinate against a holy and sovereign God. And so we're the ones that are the offenders. And so God, but God, he he's like, no, I, I love you first and I'm gonna make this relationship happen. And so so there's this um really the gospel then tells us this ethic of of beginning that reconciliation and starting mm-hmm. that off uh, from the get-go. But then there's like a warning after this in verse 20. So he says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For mm-hmm. he who does not love his brother whom he... Um, who, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So I, I think it was just really interesting um, because in like Dietrich Bonhoeffer's mm-hmm. um, situation, you have people who... Probably in other circumstances, and, and and for the most part, what the world would culturally accept is just a hatred for one another. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you disagree with me politically, mm-hmm. I hate you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you disagree with me on this issue, I hate you. Um, but what this is saying is, is that we can't say that we love God and say that we hate someone else at, in, in the same breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that reconciliation is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. Which is what Jesus says, you know, in Matthew 22. You know, what's the greatest commandment? What's the love commandment to love the Lord your God? What's the second? To love your neighbor, mm-hmm. which is a draw from Deuteronomy 6, yeah. you know, where he's saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And so loving the Lord your God is loving, you know, to do that in action means loving your neighbor. So yeah. they're an extension of one another. And mm-hmm. so they are they are directly tied. Um, and so we want to kind of be able to par- compartmentalize those things, but they really like they're a good thermometer um, on what is your relationship look like with God right now? Do you have relationships you're seeking to reconcile in your life, or are you avoiding them? This right. doesn't mean that everybody likes you. Right. I mean, there's been some incredibly faithful people that they they would have probably said all of my relationships are a mess, <laughs> you know, yeah, because yeah. they were standing for something that which was is, true. Which is hope for me. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're standing in something that that really matters. But are they seeking reconciliation? Yeah. That's what I think is is the measure that you know matters. Yeah, why why do you think it's so hard for us as even as Christians to make the first move to seek re- reconciliation? Like, what what does that rub up against with our with our pride and our souls? It rubs up against our pride and our souls. I mean, I think I think, <laughs> I think like you just said. Oh, it, I. I Give the answer of <laughs> <Yeah>. the question. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah. but <laughs> but but honestly, I, I think I think it's this. You know, and Scott said this, it's like, even if you only did 1% wrong, admit your 1%. Yeah. And see, we, we did this thing um, in Leadership Lab last year where we were talking about, um, oh, how to, what was it called? Crucial Conversations. Oh, yeah. So we're talking about how to have crucial conversations. And that was which uh, is, Morgan Adcock. Morgan Adcock, in. yeah. Very yeah. similar, very similar to, you know, kind of what we're talking about in the sermon. But what I realized when I walked in the room was that what I wanted out of that meeting was to learn how to win every conversation. Mm. I wanted to learn how to accomplish what I wanted out of the conversation, to get what I was desiring when I walked in the room. Right. But 
reconciliation does not mean you always get what you want. Yeah. Um, in fact, it likely means that it does mean, doesn't likely mean that there was something in this conflict. I mean, not always, but there was something in this conflict that you were a part of the problem. Like Scott said, it could be 1%, but being able to share, you know, hey, humble yourself to say, this is what I brought to the table that was a part of the problem is really, really stinking hard to do. And nobody wants to do that, especially when you think the other person did 95% of the problem. Yeah. And you may be right, (laughs) but nobody wants to do that. But reconciliation is the goal. And, And I think that's, Yeah. It's it's really it's, really it's hard one of the hardest to do. things to the do. The hands down the hardest part about doing ministry. I think we all would say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean. I mean. Literally in my ten years, it's like every moment that is ugly was when a conversation was when a relationship didn't get reconciled. Yeah. If it became out of my hands, if it was you know I did everything I could do. If I didn't, it's like those are the like the black marks. Yeah. When I think about my ministry past. And I'm sure people that are listening could resonate with that, not just in a ministry context, mm-hmm. but in family context and mm-hmm. in um, in their jobs, like people who have had to leave jobs because they're like, <laughs> I just can't reconcile with, you know, this coworker in the next cube and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's just, it's just hard. Um, let's look at the main passage um, that all of this is sort of out of. This is Romans chapter 12, verses 16 through 18. Um, Ariel, would you be up for reading that? Yeah, let me get here. Um, okay, Romans twelve sixteen through 18. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight and repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Awesome, thanks. Yeah. So I want to just walk through this a little bit more more verse by verse because I think there's some interesting points in here if we just kind of walk through it. Um, the first thing that he says, uh, j- just so that we sort of understand the context of Romans 12, and, and and Scott did a good job, I think, setting this up, but, you know, Romans Romans 1 through 11 has a lot of kind of the background theology around this is what God has done for us. This is our justification and our mm-hmm. sanctification and how that relates mm-hmm. to us as... Um, uh, as Gentiles, because you know the three of us in the room are Gentiles, but then, uh, mm-hmm. but then also to Israel in verse in uh, Romans nine through eleven. But then, when you get to chapter twelve, uh, there's a there's a switch, and he begins that chapter by by really talking about now this is how you you should then act. So he starts out by saying, you know, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And, you know, do not be conformed to this world, et cetera, et cetera. So, so now he's getting into this whole kind of, kind of teaching portion of, mm-hmm. of, of his letter where he wants to give them some instructions. So one of the instructions that he gets to is this idea of living in harmony with one another. And, and these three verses really uh, encapsulate um, the the summary teaching that that he's trying to do with that. So he starts out by saying, "Live in harmony with one another," and then he he kind of presents a uh, a contrast. He says, "Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly." W- what does that What does that mean? And, and and I'd say, what does that even look like for someone today? When we say, like, it, 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 I guess the first question is, what does haughty mean when we look at it in this contrast with associating with the lowly? It's arrogance. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's the word. Mm-hmm. It's just just thinking that you're superior 
to the person that you're having a conversation with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which, which just an example, again, I, I love Dallas Willard. He's probably one of my oh, favorite yeah. he- heroes of the faith, but you know, Dallas Willard, Willard talks about a student in his class that constantly was speaking out, you mm-hmm. know, constantly objecting, you know, a great mind, <laughs> you know, yeah. and him continually trying to approach him. Observers would say that he just had no interest in just proving like he knew, looking like he knew, knew more than this person. He was always trying to approach them as just two people having a conversation about what they disagreed upon. Yeah, and so I think it's just approaching your conversations humbly, mm-hmm. not even if you do know more, not coming across that way. Yeah, you so, know. So why do you think Paul puts that in contrast with the idea of associating with the lowly? Mm. Have you guys seen the movie God's Not Dead? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's a scene in there where the professor is like he has a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And he has all of his professor friends over for dinner, you know, and they're all talking about the, like the philosophies and the, you know, enlightenment and the meaning of life and <laughs> these wonderful conversations. And his girlfriend is, is basically waiting on the whole table. And, um, mm. she says something that's not as like intelligent as what the whole table believes to be, yeah. you know, yeah, on par with their conversation. And so he, like ridicules her and humiliates her in front of the whole oh, pe- yeah. the whole crowd. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do. And um, I just think of like how she's humbling herself to like to serve and just to be um, in relationship with this person who really thought that she needed to be intellectually his equal in order to be in his presence. Mm. That's just a good reminder yeah. for us to absolutely to love those who are around us who really may just be around us to be to be loved and to love and. Yeah. 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 I mean, one of the one of the things that that brings to mind really is Philippians 2 and the whole thing about how Jesus emptied himself, right? And mm-hmm. and that we should we should be, Paul tells us we should be like this and have the mind of Christ in this way because Christ humbled himself and emptied himself and he did not think of equality with God something to be grasped is the way that mm-hmm. he puts it. And I think in the same way um it's always thinking that other people are better than you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. I remember a, a particular time. Um, it was really funny when, when I first started to work here. Um, I was the communications guy, and I had a lot of videos to shoot and things like that. And one day, I was carrying like a whole bunch of video equipment. I had to, like on my back, and both hands were filled and stuff like that. And I was about to walk through this door, and Pastor Woody was there coming the other way to come through the door. We met at the same time, and um, and I'll never forget this. He he had a bunch of stuff in his hands too. And he like stood back out of the way. And I was like, oh no, Woody, go ahead, go ahead. And he's like, no, you go. And this is what he said to me. He said, you go first because you're more important. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Wow, yeah. I I don't know what to do with that. Like, I mean, because he just, I mean, it's not that, it's not just that he demonstrated it, but he went out and said it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the ethic that I think that, that Paul is talking about there in Philippians and, and, and really what this is, what Paul's talking about here. It's that never be wise in your own sight, Yeah, which is that next sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, how do you, you know, are you walking in thinking that like, you've got the answer or are you trying to seek reconciliation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dagger oh, to the heart. Man. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, I mean, kind of like what, what you were saying earlier, like, you know, when to the crucial conversations thing to like, how do I win the argument? Yeah. Because I know I'm right, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but maybe you can win the argument, but then you end up losing the relationship in yeah. the long run, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
let's unpack that a little bit just from a practical standpoint. What does never being wise in your own sight then look like for people? I think it looks like asking questions more than giving statements. So mm-hmm. more question marks than, than periods. Mm-hmm. It's a simple, practical way to think about conversation with people is to come in and just say, how can I make this better? I've, I've, I feel like something's wrong. What can I do to help? And, um, you know, that's a simple way. But, I mean, if you're in deep with somebody where you've just rode back and forth over and over, um, is to just know that you need to come to the conversation with more questions than than answers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it, it shows that you're listening. Right. Like it, right. And that you actually value what they're going to say. Right. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's like if your if your disagreement is around something that you truly are maybe an expert in that area. It's not it's not to ignore your expertise, but mm-hmm. it's to walk into the conversation and not just purely present yourself as being right because you think you're superior with your ideas. Right. I mean, I, I'm in a relationship um, with somebody right now. I don't want to give any context, you know, but um, that in our dialogue that happens a lot. They'll say, "Oh, well." I'm better at this mm-hmm. than you. So now let me tell you what's right. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're, pre- they're they're presenting their case on the basis of their superiority. Right. You know, and it's just like that's not that's that's not walking, you know, into a conversation as equals. They just say a lot. Yep, I'm no 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 no. I I'm the expert at this one, Mitch. <laughs> you know, and I do that too. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely, I just told Chris, I did that to, you know, again, I won't give full context, but I listened <laughs> to a podcast about something Then I was talking about it later with my wife and she was on the other side of the fence for me. And so I was like, well, I'm ready to talk about it now because I listened to this podcast. So I've never had, <laughs> I've never had up. more answers right now <laughs> than I do. Right. So I, so I'm yeah. presenting yeah. my superiority yeah. in our dialogue, yeah. you know, rather than saying like, let's just humbly approach this together mm-hmm. right. and try to find a right answer. I think from a teacher perspective, um, which has been my profession for a mm-hmm. long time, it's to um, think, I guess, like the person in the room who knows the least about what you're about to say and then try to speak to that person so that they can hear what you're saying, I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, and understand. I think too, there's a, there's a piece of this ethic that recognizes our own depravity. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Like number one, that even if we, (laughs) that number one, even if we are technically Mm -hmm. the expert (laughs) on a certain subject. There's always somebody. Well, there's always someone else, but ultimately, but let's just say that there isn't. Let's say that, Mm -hmm. that out of the, you know, 7 billion people in the world, I'm the one that knows the most about X. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. But even then, the knowledge that I have about that comes from God. Like yeah. we, we've talked yeah. about this before, and so and and God actually knows more about it. He's only revealed mm-hmm. certain, you know, a certain portion of that topic to me, yeah. you know, and given me that knowledge to begin with. Mm-hmm. So for me to say, oh, you know, I'm the expert. I know more about this than anyone else. Is to actually. Um, is a little bit of a slap in the face to God <laughs> in a yeah. sense because because it's not recognizing one. That God is the one that that ge- has given me the wisdom that I have to begin yep. with, and that God too could impart that wisdom to other people and even other 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 uh, wise things to them that then um, that I don't have. Yeah. And and so so even if I think of myself that highly, mm-hmm. that's I mean that's really the issue. Well, and flipping um, it to their perspective too. Yeah. So let's put it this way: you're not giving them the space to get to where you are. Like like that's also what we do in this in these conversations, mm-hmm. you know. And it can be as small as. You know, I research, research, research what washer and dryer we need to get. 
And then I'm walking through the store with my wife and she's not had the time to think about it. And she's mm-hmm. like, I really like this one. And I'm like, no, <laughs> because I, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm presenting myself, you know, as I know more, which, which is like in that case, you know, I kind of do, but I'm not giving them the space to get to where I'm at, Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and that, and again, spiritually, man, that's something we're up against a lot, mm-hmm. you know, is conversations with people that we're not necessarily giving them the space to get to where we're at, mm-hmm. you know, in our relationship or our knowledge, you know, or whatever it is that you're dealing with them. And I've seen that in group and time and time again, where I'm like, why don't you just live rightly here? Yeah. Like, why don't you just have more faith? Why don't you just be more obedient? But then I have to remind myself, I'm like, oh man, like this dude's only been following Jesus for a year now. And he probably didn't even know that was a thing he's supposed to do. And now he does. And now he's got to process that. And, you know, and it's like, I'm not giving him the space that it took me to get that answer. Totally. We got to be, be, patient <laughs> with people. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I struggle with that for sure. Well, the next, the next passage here says, uh, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Um, and I think that's fairly self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we, when we're in conflict with one another, um, the idea of retaliation is, um, truly not where God wants us to go, mm-hmm. you know? What's the, what do you think the, 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 the theological reason is behind that? Like, why, why would God not want us to exact retaliation on, on others? I think of when God told the Israelites that he would repay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think, you know, wouldn't we all just love to see everything wrapped up and finished off in this life and taken care of and everybody get their, their due justice. And he's, he's got it. Yeah. He's got it and it'll happen. Um, and then we think we know what the other person deserves. When <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's when, a great point. <laughs> how little do we know? How little? Yes. You know? Yes. So that's perfect. I, I think, I think God, God is the judge, right. you know, and we have to remind ourselves of that. And so, you know, like you're saying earlier, Chris, it really does come down to our depravity. You know, when we want to respond with evil, it's just that's just not of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's of ourselves. Mm-hmm. That, that's we're trying to you know gain back either our respect or our prestige or our position um, because we want to show them how wrong they were. Right. You know, which is that's not that's not our job. Yeah, that's not our role. Yeah. The thing that I think is is interesting, and the Bible speaks to this repeatedly. I'm, I'm thinking of a passage in Isaiah, which I can't remember where it is right now, but um, Isaiah really depicts our current state of existence, the the way that the world works right now, as a place of injustice. Like mm-hmm. injustice does is not the way that that the world is, and, and you know, our world screams out for justice mm-hmm. over and over again. We're we're hearing the cry of. Uh, the cry for justice um, so much right now. Mm-hmm. And in, in a certain respect, I, I think that this is pointing to the need for for the redemption that God offers because um, ultimately what's going to happen is we're going to get to this place where the Lord returns, um, the dead are raised, everyone's judged. And at that point, justice is going to be the way of things. Yeah. Um, you know, all of the wrongs in the world are going to be righted. Mm-hmm. That the things of this world, where you know, this whole idea that justice is this this sort of nebulous thing that we're reaching Absolutely. for that we can never get to, 
um, that's actually going to be the way that the world is. Like mm-hmm. there's going to be justice and, yeah. and, and, that, and righteousness and peace. And we just can't even fathom that right now, yep. but we're crying out for it so much, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think as we, uh, especially as Christians, come back to the place of saying, you know, justice does not belong to me, it belongs to the Lord, right? So, so just what you're saying, right? we're, mm-hmm. trusting, we're trusting in God, to take care of those things, number mm-hmm. one, where don't we don't repay evil for evil, but we trust God with that. Mm-hmm. But then we wait and we wait with patience for the day of the Lord, because when the Lord returns, that justice is going to come. And so all of the little things and like, man, listeners, man, hear this right now. Like all of the little things that you know, maybe you have felt slighted on, you have felt hurt by, and no one has ever seen. I want to tell you right now, God has seen it and there's going to be justice for Mm -hmm. those things. Just trust him for it. You know, Mm -hmm. don't, don't, don't take it out on other people, (laughs) but, but trust him and wait patiently for that justice that's coming. And honestly, I think, I think in, in contextually in, in our world, I think that is one of the biggest cases, um, for, you know, the gospel that Mm -hmm. we have to share with people, um, is just that, you know, that right now we all want justice. You know, just as you said, we want we want things to be made right, um, and in Christ we are promised an existence in a world where things are right. Yeah. Um, and you know, and so if we recognize our part of the problem, you know, I mean, this is what we did at middle school camp, you know, yeah, a couple weeks yeah. ago. But it's like when we recognize that you know we are sinful, that we do contribute to some of this brokenness, mm-hmm. um, and that apart from Christ, um, we things will always be somewhat broken. Um, even as we seek justice, you know, in Christ, but that on the other side, you know, there's a promise that we will live in a world that will be in this harmony, you know, that Romans is describing. And so in our world, our world just has such a backward message. And you said this a couple weeks ago, Chris, and I quoted you at middle school camp. What? Yeah. He did. He got a name drop. Yeah. It just, you know, what is, what is the biggest issue in our world today? And it's this basic principle that um, we are good, mm-hmm. you know? And so what do we see? We see a blame game. We see it in our, in our yeah. personal relationships. Yeah. We see it in our other way. Because if I'm not wrong and there's a problem, someone else has to be wrong. Right. So then we're just blaming people across the way when really we need to recognize what did we contribute to the problem? What is our role? We're all the problem. We're all wrong, <laughs> you know, at some level. Yeah. And then yeah. you can kind of walk um, trying to grow in this picture of a world that's just, but knowing that one day it will become true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Well, the last verse here is verse 18, and it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And I think this was, this is a really interesting thing that the, the apostle gives us this little caveat, mm-hmm. if possible. Um, when we look at that, like why, why does he say if possible, first of all? What, why does he include that caveat? I think for the very reason that we're just talking about, that he knows that peace will not be here and now. And we're in the already not yet. While God's kingdom has already begun, it has mm-hmm. not come to p- completion, and yeah. it won't until his return. And so that's what we're looking forward to. Yeah. We're looking forward to that justice and that day that um, all rights are all bets are off, all wrongs are made right, Yeah, and every knee bows. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like, I mean... From a from a very practical standpoint, I mean, we've all experienced stuff like that. I think where mm-hmm. we feel like we've 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 bent the knee, we've 
um, submitted to other people, things like that. And yet the relationship is still not mm-hmm. reconciled. And it may be, be just because yeah. uh, of the other person at that point. And so even in those situations where it's, you know, we've tried everything that we can do, it's just still is not, the, the relationship yeah. is not fixed. So I, I guess I have a couple questions about this. At, at what point do we need to just say, man, I, I need to, I need to stop. I need to mm-hmm. stop trying to reconcile. I'm still going to pray for the person, but I just need to maybe back away a little bit because this is hard. This is like, it's hurting me at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you guys think? It, 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 does there, is there a line there that we, that we shouldn't cross? I think there's no concrete answer. I think there's no line. I think that, um, that's between you and the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sometimes we don't even know and then we have to just move and, and yeah. decide. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's really hard to respond to that question. Yeah. Kind of like what Ariel said, because I don't want to give somebody the freedom to say, okay, I can draw my line now. I can drop this person out of my life. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, and I think I think there's a couple parameters that I think can help in your discernment. Mm-hmm. But as Ariel said, there's not a concrete yeah. answer. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing too is there's, I don't believe that there's ever a closed door that's locked Absolutely. forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to say that either, that like you can't just be like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're gone, and, you know. And I want to be sensitive to like, Real relationships that I know people have walked through, immediate family members, you know, things that they have had to step away because of the um, the the unrest that it just causes. Um, I just I just want to say, like in those moments, give it to the Lord. Let him let him own that. Let him be between the two of you. Pray for reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Pray for that person. Um, and and just know that that God is good and his his glory will be revealed and i, I mean yeah, while we yeah, don't have just, a concrete answer yeah we just trust him yeah. in the mm-hmm. middle of it for sure yeah. and prayer and prayer is not this tag at the end you know and i know right, you guys right. i know you guys well enough to say you're not saying that but it's not like well i guess all i can do is pray for him now mm-hmm. it's like it's yeah. like no like like god moving is the biggest part and Absolutely. so yeah. if i'm looking at this and i'm trying to say okay how does this help me interpret this i'm saying okay well there is a possibility that you may have to pull away you know, if possible, mm-hmm. there's the first that that could happen. The second part, so as far as it depends on you, this says two things to me. One, it doesn't completely depend on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are two. It takes two to tango, as, as Scott said. As, yeah. But God's also in the details. So, yeah. so when you think that you can fix it, and you think it all does depend on you, and it's all your fault, you're actually elevating yourself to a position that you don't have, mm. and whatever That's conflict good. you're in. So it's like you need to you need to be able to recognize that that it doesn't all depend on you. That right. they have some they have a part to play, you have a part to play, and that God's in control of these details. And that's where mm-hmm. the prayer actually becomes a bigger piece of it. It's because God is actually all powerful. Right. God actually is in control. Um, and then the least live peaceably with all. It's like, can you walk? in peace in this situation. You know, can you disconnect from them, but still exist um, in peace with one another? And if you can't do that, then you've not reconciled. Mm-hmm. See, that's that's my question, because I, I can imagine, and, and, and I've experienced this too, like, you know, maybe I, I get into a conflict with somebody over something, but we're mm-hmm. friends on Facebook. So maybe we're living peaceably for the most part, but then I'm mm-hmm. scrolling through Facebook and I see something that they post and I'm just like, Ugh, yeah, you know, and you know what I mean? And so we've so, all been, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so yeah, can there be peace 
um, even when the the relationship is not reconciled, when you've done everything that you can, can there still be mm-hmm. peace for you in that? I think yes. And I think here's what practically could happen is where you are um, at the point where you can finally pray for that person to, um, to flourish in Christ mm-hmm. and be like, you know, God, I realize that he and I, she and I are not connected anymore in a relationship, but we know, I pray that their relationship with you will just flourish. Mm. Um, and I pray that you will, that you will watch over them, that you will be with them, that you will be their everything, um, that you'll fill in all of the voids that have caused our break. Um, and that you will renew them. I don't know. Yeah, you gotta back up from the problem. I think I think is kind of what Ariel's saying is you gotta back up from the problem and say, can you still want what's best for this person and in your relationship? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's what peace is. It's not it's not reconciliation isn't always agreeing, mm-hmm. but it's figuring out sometimes even in your disagreement, how can we move forward? Mm. You know, how can we move forward together? Um, in our problem, our relationship, our strife, our frustration, whatever you know you have between someone, what does looking forward look like where it kind of fits all these categories? Mm-hmm. you know um, and and that may not be changing them to your position. Mm-hmm. That may you know you may admit your problem and you know your fault and they're just never gonna admit theirs. Yeah. But how can you walk forward with one another in peace? Um, and there is a caveat too that this looks different. Um, this could be a whole other podcast within the context of believers and not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is who Paul's talking to. Yeah, you know. So he's ta- so we are gonna say like who who are you seeking reconciliation with, mm-hmm. and what is their perspective on their nature? You know, in this in this battle. Right. So. I think as the church, though, we've been given the opportunity to model this well, um, and I think that we um, that we need to get better about being able to disagree without letting it tear us completely apart as yeah. a, like a personal assault. Like, um, you know, Mitch doesn't like peanuts, M- M- peanuts in his M and M's. I love peanuts in my M and M's, and know. we are. I know this is a trivial example, but <laughs> I think it's a great example. But <laughs> let's go. But. <laughs> But I love Mitch, and yeah. I love Mitch because mm-hmm. he was created in the image of God, and he's my brother in Christ, and therefore we are going to pursue our relationship even though we disagree on this. Yeah. You know, so there's a there's a line there. There's something we talk about in apologetics because there's a line between things that are objectively true and subjectively true, mm-hmm. right? So so something like whether you like peanut or plain M&Ms, that's a subjective thing, yeah. but people – Man, people, their relationships get broken over subjective things mm-hmm. all the time. So maybe one of the one of the greatest things that you can do for yourself is is take take a step back for, and look at the situation and say, "Man, is this a subjective issue? Like, does it really matter, or is this an objective truth issue? And if it is objective truth, you know, where we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about God's word, or mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, then, then, then we maybe need to approach it a little bit differently. But yeah, stand for truth. Yes, you know, like that, that's not what we're arguing for. It's just, can you stand for truth and a human being disagrees with you and you still can exist in relationship with them? Right. Absolutely, and yeah. you should be able to do that. The question is, can you? And I feel like that's kind of who Scott's talking to, yeah. you know, as and, he's raising that question this well, week is like, how's, how's that go for you when you make that post on Facebook and everybody hates it? Yeah. Well, what do your relationships look like? Here's the truth is the answer is no, we can't like, yeah. like on, again, it, it comes back to, we need God's help mm-hmm. with this. Like we on our own do not have the ability mm-hmm. to, to come back and say, 
oh yeah, like I'm going to, I'm going to reconcile all these relationships and I'm going to be like the most humble man that ever lived. Yeah. You know, we, we just, we don't have the ability mm-hmm. to do that. Um, we only can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. Um, so there's Good that. Stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for listening today. We hope that this was helpful. Um, and again, too, uh, you know, we live in a world right now that is screaming out for this type of reconciliation of relationships. And so, church, I want to um, encourage you to, um, first of all, trust in the Lord for, for these things. Uh, lean on him to help you in your relationships and be a light to the world that is looking for this kind of reconciliation. Show people what this looks like in the way that um, that the Lord is calling you to do that in your relationships. And I, I think that that will open a huge door for other people to be able to see that light and actually come to know the same love and reconciliation and peace that you know. And so I would encourage you um, to go ahead and do that and let your light shine and be uh, and be seen by other people so hopefully that's helpful and and we will uh be here next week next week for the last of the uh of the friend request series this is the last one so next week on the sunday recap see you guys later